Denise Bailey. And I'm Dr. Monica Parker. And you're listening to My Parents Are Now My Kids, a medical doctor's view and daughter's journey through memory loss and other dementias. As a doctor, I'll help you navigate through the often confusing, confounding, and frequently frustrating technical aspects of dementia. And as a daughter, I'll share with you some things I've experienced caring for and loving my parents who both struggled with these disorders. We want you to have hope and to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll tell you that sometimes that light is coming straight at you and you just have to get out of the way. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Monica. Hi, Dr. Denise. How are you? Tired. (laughs) I can imagine you are working very hard and I admire what you do. And it's funny that you talk about being tired and we're talking about work because that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, Mm -hmm. I was looking at some statistics and I'll just read these out. In the United States, more than 13 million women are either living with Alzheimer's or caring for someone who has it. Almost two thirds of Americans living with Alzheimer's are women. Women in their 60s are more than twice as likely to develop Alzheimer's disease over the rest of their lives as they are to develop breast cancer. More than 60% of Alzheimer's and dementia caregivers are women. And nearly 19% of women Alzheimer's caregivers had to quit work either to become a caregiver or because their caregiving duties became too burdensome. Now you see the theme here, women taking care of people with Alzheimer's. So, That's very interesting and very personal to me because, as you know, I'm no longer in the workforce and my main duty is taking care of my mom who has Alzheimer's. And that brings us to this study. Now, you were not a part of this study, but you have been quoted in a national publication about this study. And the study says that women who have spent time in the paid workforce during their adult lives have slower rates of memory decline after age 60 than women who didn't work for pay. Now, I relate to these statistics because as I said, I'm no longer working in the traditional sense. So I know that you were not a part of this study, as I mentioned, but you were interviewed and quoted in the national publication about the findings. So did the findings surprise you? No. One of the things that we have been learning, and actually today there was a a lecture that we attended that talked about super agers. And one of the things that working women and super agers had in common was they were staying continually engaged. And they were always, I say, exercising their brain muscle in one way or another. And when you look at women who work, there are two things that are going on that are consistent with good brain health and good brain function. Number one, they are continually processing information. So they're always staying engaged. 
They may be socially engaged. And most women do work that they enjoy doing. So having purpose in life, having meaningful things to do is something that kind of keeps us engaged. Lack of social engagement is a risk factor for dementing disorders. And research is showing that people who remain socially engaged have fewer problems with cognitive deficits versus those persons who isolate themselves, live alone, don't engage with family, friends, church, things like that. So working women have more things to do to engage their brains, to work their brains. And I think that, you know, when they think about motivation, like pay is a strong motivator to be able to take care of your family and other things. But aside from pay, I think that most women, most career women anyway, like myself, for example, I actually like what I do. You know, having purpose in life uh, gives you a reason to get up. Right. You know, when we talk about older people who have dementia, getting them in a routine, they have to have a reason to get up. They have to have something that keeps them motivated. So I'm not surprised by those findings. The things that we are learning about dementing disorders and risk factors or protective for um, protective factors all involve social engagement, increasing processing information. Now you're a journalist. There are things that you did as a journalist, you know, um, producing the technology that you're using and it changes from year to year. And if you weren't engaged in that work at work, I doubt very seriously that you would do that outside of work. That's true. And in this study, like you just mentioned, that the social engagement is important to help your you know, cognitive abilities. And you mentioned financial security. So that's, it sounds to me like in the study, that's one of the distinctions they were making. Um, the financial security helped because you would you know, have sort of peace of mind, you would have health care that went along with your job and you'd be able to afford things like having, you know, a good diet and and different uh, benefits that come along with it. So that was also another reason that it sort of helped your mental capabilities because your mind was sort of at ease with the things you were able to accomplish by working. Yeah. Anxiety relief. That's one thing. But the other thing, and you just said it, and, and I hadn't really connected this, but Working women generally have health insurance, so they're more likely to have access to a health care provider to manage those things that put your brain at risk. So most women who work with health insurance are probably going to get to a doctor to get mammograms, to get um, diabetes checks, blood pressure checks, or have their blood pressure controlled have their cholesterol controlled. And all of those things are risk factors for brain dysfunction. So there are a lot of other things that go along with being employed, aside from motivation for finances to secure our existence. Most of us have health insurance. And not managing chronic diseases is a risk factor for dementing disorders. Now, this study... um... It followed over 6,000 women for 12 years. And as I read, the average age was 57 years old. And they noticed that the women who worked 
obviously had a slower rate of memory decline, but the non-workers declined 50% greater. That is huge. That's a real strong motivator for keeping in the workforce. <laughs> it re it um, really is. And that scares me a little bit. Um, and, but, you know, sometimes the, the opposite of, not the opposite, how do I say this? You would think that working might be very stressful and that, you know, staying home would be more relaxing. Um, but, but it was noted that there are good types of stress sometimes. Is that right? Right. And so the good type of stress, and I'm going to get back to purpose in life. Some people take great pride in their jobs. They're identified by their jobs. And so they, um, like a competitive stress. I want to do a good good do a good job. I'm motivated to do a good job. So I might work a little longer. I might go to a class. I might take a little bit more time to learn something. You're always doing something more. Um, the stress part, and when I hear stress, I want people to think in terms of high blood pressure, okay? okay. Stress in cardiovascular research is usually tied to high blood pressure. And we know that a 20-year history of hypertension or high blood pressure is associated with brain dysfunction, and it's a risk factor. So some stress is, some stress is good, too much stress is not good. That's why I said I wanted to, to make that distinction. Some stress is good, but too much stress is not good. You don't want hypertension. I think the way they describe the stress is that the bad stress is when you're on a job, even though you're getting paid for it, but you feel like you're out of control. Um, the good stress is that maybe you have deadlines, but you feel like you've accomplished something. It may be a little tense to get um, to the, um, whatever you want to accomplish at your job, but it's, it sort of gets the juices flowing and that's a good kind of stress because you know you've accomplished something and you have control of your final product at the end. So that was, I guess that stimulated um, the workers and, and helped in their cognitive abilities. Purpose in life. <laughs> exactly. Purpose and, and, and I was reading about you being quoted and, and we cannot forget the women who do volunteer work because you made a point of that. I want you to talk about that. Um, it, it sounds like the study is saying getting paid, getting paid, getting paid. But you made the distinction of not just the monetary benefits, but if you do something that you feel passionate about and you volunteer, then that's a good thing, too. That's beneficial as well. Yeah, I think that's beneficial from the standpoint of um, you enjoy it. It gives you, gets you out of the home. It keeps you engaged. Remember, you, you, you got me on this social engagement. Think about those women that volunteer, let's say, in a food kitchen, those grandmothers who rock babies in neonatal intensive care units. Mm -hmm. They're engaged. They're doing something that they enjoy doing. So, again, this adds to some of that purpose. This is some of that good stress that we have going on. But more importantly, people are staying engaged. They're being forced to remember names, routines, activities. This may not be a part of the study, but we don't want to diminish the types of jobs that women do that may not get paid for it. That's right. That's right. 
if for no other reason, but for the social connection and engagement. And the stability and the purpose. Right. Okay. Well, right. So when I heard this study, I was really concerned. Like I said, I'm, I'm not doing the traditional work anymore. And uh, so I was like, oh my goodness, I, I need to go back out and get a job. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I felt like, you know, just working with you and keeping us on deadline, that's my stress. <laughs> that is a stress, isn't it? Yes, but, it is. but I mean, it's a, it's a motivator because you're using skills. You're, you're a producer. You're killing me. You, you kill me. You're, you're like the little technician, the producer. You're doing something different all the time. So you got to keep doing that. <laughs> the little engine that could. I'm trying. Yeah, you are. Who did this study and where can people find out about it? Okay, this study was, is an offshoot of the Framingham Heart Study. These people were studied in Boston, and the people, the women that they were studying, were the offspring of the people who were a part of that Framingham Heart Study. So this Framingham Heart Study, like the Women's Health Initiative, is sort of like the study that keeps on giving. Wonderful. Okay. So that was some great information, Dr. Monica. That makes you think. See you next time. Okay.